You're listening to The Sizzle on Iron Skillet Radio and Iron Skillet Television. So let's talk about it for a second. Let's talk about we're moving on from the Black Lives Matter era, but we're moving into specific coaches. And we talk about it all the time because we look at a Chicago Bulls head coaching situation that really deteriorated as the as the season went on, even being a shortened season. But let's look at two coaches. Let's look at the parallels of two coaches. Let's look at Mark Jackson, someone who was the architect of maybe one of the greatest sports franchise runs that we've seen, dynasty runs that we've seen lately. And then you have the other side of that, which is Tyron Lue, who was able to somehow keep that Cavaliers team together to beat that great dynasty. How do we look at the perspective of both of those head coaches? And what do we think about as they move forward? You're looking at two professional head coaches, two ex-players, two people who are respected in locker rooms and by former players and GMs, and they are unemployed. So let's start with Mark Jackson. That'll be our test case. When it comes to Mark Jackson, Jay Sizzle, let me ask you, why do you believe that Mark Jackson is unemployed? Well, I think the reason why Mark Jackson is unemployed is the same reason what happened to him in Golden State. I think after a while, I think these guys get pigeonholed into being player-friendly coaches and not coaches who can be tough enough on these guys and take them to the next level. I think that's what we really saw with Golden State, that he was able to make that Golden State culture be what it was. I know Jaron Jack was talking about that, uh, who played for him back in 2013, and was saying, hey, in the huddle, he's fantastic. He's absolutely great. He, he motivates guys. He makes them believe in themselves. But I think somehow or another, um, these, these uh, organizations want a guy who's going to hold guys more accountable. And I think that's what the reason is that Mark Jackson is not a guy who's looking like he's going to be a rebuilder or a guy who's going to come in on a championship team and push them forward. So he doesn't really have that 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 actual um, what's the word I'm looking for? He he doesn't he, he he's not a tough guy. Mm-hmm. You don't hear Mark Jackson come in and mm-hmm. and bad mouth a player. Right. You know Tom Tom Thibodeau is a guy you know. If you can't play, you're gonna sit the bench. Right. That's what he's gonna do. He'll play seven guys a whole year, and the rest of y'all can eat hot dogs. That's what Tom Thibodeau is going to do. We saw him do that with the Chicago Bulls. Um, so, but we know Tom Thibodeau is a really good coach, but he's not going to suffer the nonsense. Mark Jackson is more of a player's coach, but he's gotten that reputation that he's too much of a player's coach, which I believe the players love him. And I don't think the ownership thinks he's a guy that can maneuver uh, inside that program and really getting guys behind, especially the, the older guys, the veterans, and really make them play hard. Okay, so let's look at the other side of that. Then where where do we stand or where's your stance specifically when it comes to Tyron Lue? Well, Tyron Lue is a little, little bit different. I think Tyron Lue didn't get what he should have got when he won the championship down with the Cavaliers because he had two of the greatest basketball players at their positions to ever play in the NBA. You know, you had, you had LeBron James. You had... Uh, a Kyrie Irving there. And so they pretty much think, well, you could have put anybody in that position 
and they would have won the championship. And then you look after uh, after uh, Irving and LeBron left, you saw um, uh, Tyron Lue coach well, but he wasn't ever able to get them back to really stiffen the championships again. So I think it's the same type of situation. I think he's a player-friendly coach, and if he has really good players for him, it's just like right now with the Nets. Uh, it, it's like um, guys want him there. You know, uh, Kyrie Irving wants him back at the Nets, and right now he's the odds-on favorite of getting that job over there with the Nets because Kyrie Irving wants him there. Kyrie Irving now is an OG in basketball. Kevin Durant wants him there. And so I think they're going to try to appease those guys because he's a player-friendly coach. You know, can he, you know, can he get those guys ready to play? So I think you see what a Tyron Lue is another guy who's not really a disciplinarian like a Tom Thibodeau. And I think uh, these teams, that they think they need discipline, like the Knicks, are weren't going to hire a Tyron Lue. You know, let's look at that. Let's talk about, for a few seconds, you talked about the Nets. Kenny Atkinson was there. They had a good thing going. In fact, really before you got to a Kyrie, they seemed like they were one of those teams that were pushing forward on the come up. They were going to be a young team that was going to beat you a la the Bulls, young, playing hard, working hard. And so now you have more of a revolt that's happened because of a Kyrie Irving, where they've said, no, we don't want a good coach. We want our coach. So let's look at this. We had the opportunity, especially in Chicago, we had a chance to see it with Lovey Smith for the Chicago Bears. You have African-American head coaches who have become labeled players coaches. They're the ones that the players love and they'll fall on the sword for and they'll play all out for them, balls to the wall. They'll go out and they'll do exactly what that head coach wants. But my question to you, Jay, would be, have African-American head coaches been given that label as a player's coach unfairly, or is it just because African-American and melanated coaches know that they can't be as firm as they'd like to be to keep a job? Do they have to be more milk toast in their coaching to be able to not only keep the respect of the players on the floor, but to keep a head coaching position with management and with ownership? I mean, right now, I was just because you were asking me the question, I was going through my mind talking about who is the hard-nosed black coach in the NBA? Mm-hmm. Who is it? I mean, I'm thinking Doc Rivers is well, about you, as hard. You've only as we got get. four, so I mean, if I'm thinking black head coaches, the hardest nose head coach I can think of in professional sports right now would probably be with Pittsburgh with the Steelers. Right, right, yeah, but he's been there, but they've only had three coaches, and I want to say in what 30 years, 35, 40 years. So they stay, they stay with their coaches. What I'm saying to you is that in the NBA, the NBA and the NCAA run parallel with this. And the reason why I'm saying it's run parallel with this is because they both have to recruit players there. These are player-driven leagues right now. The NCAA football is player-driven. NCAA basketball is player-driven. NCAA, I mean, uh, NBA um, basketball is player-driven. So you have to have those coaching relationships to bring in these guys, these um, these these uh, 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 free agents to come in. Now the free agents, you have to have a guy who can have that relationship with the guys. These guys to bring them in. 
Um, you're seeing, and that's why you start to see a lot of black assistant coaches on the bench for these NBA teams. But you also see the same exact thing in college, a boatload of black assistant coaches, but very few of them ever get the sniff of being the head coach. Why is that? Because they need those black assistant coaches to have relationships with those black players. And I think you're seeing a lot of the same thought process going on now. I mean, are they bringing in the Ty Lue's um, because Kyrie Irving and them wants him to be there? Well, I think you're going to see something like that because Kyrie Irving and Durant are in a position to dictate who they want as head coach. That used to didn't be the situation. Now the problem is if Tyron Lue comes in and gets that head coaching position and say that they don't do well, how long is he going to be there? And that goes against his reputation. If he goes there with Irving, with a hurt Durant, and they still don't produce, is he ever going to get a shot at another head, co- head coaching job? So this is uh, – these are choppy waters right here out here for black coaches. It is. And when you look at a Penny Hardaway or when you look at Patrick Ewan, you have coaches now who have NBA experience and they have not been successful collegiately. If I'm yeah. quite sure Patrick Ewan is uh, just barely at 500 and he took a story program and hasn't been able really to get good footing because he hasn't been able to get in the players. And you're right to that point. Do these head coaches, do these melanated head coaches ever get a shot again at being head coaches? It's it's it is so dicey when you look at let's take for example Steve Kerr and Nick Nurse, former player, not a player. Both have now championships, both have led prolific teams or and had wonderful seasons, but you don't see them having to then be labeled as players coach because I don't know what you would call Steve Kerr at times he seems to be a a players coach and then at times he seems to be a hard-nosed drill sergeant when he comes to his teams same thing you hear about Nick Nurse so I don't think that non-melanated coaches have to deal with the same type of label stigma I don't know if they get that same push that melanated coaches get and i'll let you have the last word what do you think as we end this segment what do you think is the future moving forward for melanated head coaches well I, what i think is really the future for head coaches the when you get a chance you got to build that team and you're going to have to win and keep getting a shot um because right now the only head coaches that are really going to get a shot are those who continue to win I mean, you look at Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers is sitting over there with one of the best teams in the NBA because he's proven that he can win on a on a big-time basis. And we understand pro sports is all about winning. We see how much teams are worth compared to how much they win. You saw a Golden State Warriors team. The Golden State Warriors were not that great, you know, some 15 years ago. They just weren't. And all of a sudden you see a team um, that, that's come forth now, and they're one of the top franchises in the country. The biggest thing, though, is that you have players on that team like a, a, a Stephen Curry who demands respect on his own ball club, and so it makes it easier for the head coach when the head when the number one player is bought in, a la Michael Jordan with uh, with with, with uh, uh, Jackson. You know, if Michael Jordan had not been bought in with Jackson, we would have never seen all six of those championships here with the Bulls might only been a couple because had Jordan revolted at any point in time, especially in that second half, uh, Jackson would have been gone. Yeah, and for that, 
that truly I think is is a way to capsule and put a period at the end of that. You have to win and you have to win consistently and you have to be good at what you do as far as putting this team together, as far as getting players to buy into your system and getting everybody on board at one time so that you keep your job and players get to keep the coaches they like in their position. So let me say this. If you are not subscribed to Iron Skillet Sports on any media platform, be it social media, be it YouTube, please find us at Iron Skillet Sports. You can always like, subscribe, and share. So anytime that you see Iron Skillet Sports, make sure that you're getting that notification to know when Iron Skillet Sports is on. And we'll talk to you on the other side. Look, man, I need a place to stay, Jay. Look, let me tell you something. <laughs> Caught me off guard, you know. <laughs> okay, let's try this again, my friend. I was about to say, if all your money's spent and you can't pay the rent, <laughs> then you don't, don't call. But if you got an extra change and you need a place to stay, you know, get right around the way. You know what I'm saying? Get on, here, get on over here to Dodge Thomas over here. <sighs> Because right. I don't know the number, man. You got to say the number. I don't know the number. Need a place to stay? Call Diana Thomas at 219-230-3352. That's Diana Thomas, 219-230-3352. 20 years, man, in the business of written apartments. She must know what she's doing because she got me in mind. Y'all need to give her a call, baby. Hey, if y'all need a place to stay, she's the one to make it happen. That's 219-230-3352. Hey man, your hair's a mess. You better call somebody to get the best haircut you can find, and that's Brandon Washington at Cold Cuts Barbershop. Yeah, I know, I know. You don't know what it's about. But let me tell you about Brandon Washington. He's a master barber with over 20 years of barbering experience. Brandon Washington and Cold Cuts Barbershop, 1223 Broadway, Gary, Indiana, 46407. And you can give him a call for an appointment at area code 219-793-2822. 219-793-2822. Co-Cuts Barbershop. Thank you for listening to The Sizzle here on Iron Skillet Radio.